I'm super hyped today. Do not sleep on this, brother. There is nothing that he cannot do. We have writer, actor, producer, and one half of the dynamic duo that is Lewis Productions. We have Brandon Lewis with us in the power plant. Brother, how you living? Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm living all right. I'm doing okay. I, I'm here just uh, kind of soaking everything in. You know, it's been, uh, you know, five years since our first project, and uh, now we're on the cusp of another one. And so I'm excited, you know, about everything that's coming coming for us. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Okay. Uh, it is now time to get plugged in. We are charged with two things. One, discovering our gift. And two, sharing that gift with the world. And right now, there is somebody out there who is buried under the false narrative that they believe about themselves. And they're going to see this and they're going to know this man here is from where I'm at. And they're going to say, hmm. And then when I say where 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 I'm from, where I'm at, I'm not talking about a geographical location. I'm talking about a set of circumstances and a mindset. And they're going to say this man successfully navigated his way out of a place that I cannot see my way out of. Mr. Brandon Lewis, this is your hour to amp the people up with the power of your story. Let's electrify him. Absolutely. Uh, Where do I even start? You know, know, me being a a comedian, uh, you know, it was kind of uh, taboo as I was growing up to, you know, to get in trouble telling jokes. That's what happened. I I was in school and I would get in trouble telling jokes and and, uh, joking on people and uh, just being the class clown. And so uh, when, it t- when it came time for me to actually do something with my life, you know, I took the more traditional route. You know, I went to college. Uh, I barely finished high school, but then I got into college and I did fairly well in college um, and went into the field of social work. But there was something that I had this knack for that no one ever had to teach me to do. And that was to be able to write and make people laugh. And uh, so uh, I gave up a career in social work. And went after this dream, you know, and it's taken me a while. You know, it was it was a lot of uh, everything in the back of my car, in the back seat. You know, when I was trying to make this this life for myself, I, you know, I gave up everything in Albany, Georgia. I was a children's uh, social worker, and I, you know, I gave that up. Masters in counseling, uh, bachelors in criminal justice, and you know, I was working toward the traditional, hey, get a social services job, and and do that, and I, I ended up you know, getting on an open mic uh, at a comedy club. Uh, actually, it wasn't even a comedy club, but just I turned it into a comedy club. And wow. people were laughing. And I said, you know what? I could do this. This was this. It took me nothing to do that. You know, and I had to study to do what I'm actually, you know, getting paid and keeping a roof over my head with, you know. So why can't I do this, which feels so much better? It's come so much more naturally to me. And so, uh Ricky Smiley, uh, I hooked up with him. And then next thing I know, I'm here in Dallas doing voiceovers on the radio. Uh, and I'm working at Walmart to kind of support that dream. I took a job, and, and you know, uh, 
at Walmart stocking the shelves. You know, let's stop. Let's stop right there. Let's stop right there. We're going to get back to that. Yeah. The power of everything that you just said. Um, real quick, though. What would you tell the 18 year old version of yourself? And if you would be so kind as to give us a glimpse as to what was going on in that young man's life. Wow. Wow. 18 years old. You know, <laughs> man, if you're ready for it, here it goes. At 18 years old, uh, I was in the process of flunking out of my first year at Tuskegee University. Um, the whole weight of the world was on my shoulder. I didn't know how to be in college. You know, I, I kind of drifted through. I took a whole lot of uh, financial aid and, they, and I even got scholarship money to go to Tuskegee and I squandered it. You know, when I left Tuskegee University, I had zero usable credit hours after a year of study there. Wow. Um, and so that person was undecided, didn't know what he wanted to do with his life. He just knew that he had to get out of his mom's house and, you know, follow the traditional way that you're taught, go get a, go get a, to college, get your education, get a, a you know a government job, or go work for the post office, or just do something. Um, and so I tried, and I failed miserably. And you know, you know, it's bad when you know you get to the dorm after the semester's over with, and they got all your stuff already out on the porch. You know, and that's oh. what wow. that's what happened with me. It wasn't no go in and get no. We brought it out to you. Don't come back. You know, and so I was academically dismissed. That's what it says on my transcript from Tuskegee wow. University. Academic dismissal. And uh, my, my my GPA was zero, zero point six. And uh, I'll never forget going home and shaming my mother, uh, you know, at 18 years old um, that I flunked out. Right. Because I was going to be the first, you know, person in my family to act for, you know, really graduate college and do something with his life. And, and so um, I ended up back working, working a job for six, seven dollars an hour um, in a factory. Um, and it was there where I would start to put the pieces of my life back together. And so if I'm talking to that kid, this is part of the process. Nothing is perfect. You know, when, wow. when you start out, you're, you're uh, what you want to be and, you know, and what you become, you know, maybe the same thing that may not be. And so, you know, I wanted to be a police officer. It's what I wanted to do. Go be a police officer. Um, and I found that actually after leaving Tuskegee, you know, I tried to go get into the police academy and I did some of those things and, uh, you know, on my journey. But that but telling an 18 year old now, you know, nobody has any patience and it's all about patience, it's all about failing. And just because you fail once doesn't mean, you know, that you stop. And, you know, yeah, yeah somebody always told me, told me, you know, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? And, you know, you could be 40 years old and it's like, well, I'm 40 and it's too old. It's too late for me to do it. It's like, man, I'm 40. And then, you know, but the response is always, hey, how old will you be if you don't do it? Come you know, on. You're still going to be 40, 50 years old. So go for it. And that's that's been my my uh, motto. I, I, you know, I failed. Uh, and but it took me to the failure to actually, you know, and hitting rock bottom to actually have something to place my feet up on to rise back up to the top. Come you know? on now. That's all right. All right. Can you tell us, because we got to get back to that, that moment we left off on. Um, can you tell us the story of how you discovered the gift that lives within you? Because I'm hearing a, a, I'm hearing a pattern and, and I love it. The traditional route 
that everybody tells you you have to go in order to be successful. What can you tell us the story of how you discovered the gift that lives within you? Wow. You know, I discovered it in high school because I was winning those. I, I would get up and win the talent show, the staff impersonation. So, you know, I, I went to a, a, a all black Christian boarding school called Piney Woods. It's uh, maybe the only black boarding school of its kind. Wow. And uh, it was in Piney Woods, Mississippi. And I got there and I immediately started uh, imitating the dorm parents and, you know, the staff. And I got up there. And I would do them in class. And then I got up there, this, this thing they had called Icebreaker. And I would get up there and do these impersonations. Like, who this guy from Los Angeles, California, coming down to Mississippi and clowning these folks? And it was, That's all right. You know, because I used to listen to uh, the radio. I used to always love listening to the radio. And I would try to emulate the voices that I heard on the radio. You know, my favorite wrestlers, Hulk Hogan and Macho Man Randy Savage and all those people. You know, I would try to emulate those and get those voices down. And when I got... I was working a part-time job, I'll never forget, at uh, Turner Job Corps. I was at work for Job Corps in Albany, Georgia. And we would do prank calls. And I would practice and create characters on those prank calls. I would call the front desk, the, the front gate security and tell them, hey, your, your food is here. Or I'll call as a Chinese guy. Say, hey, you order a four-way, a French fry wine, a French fry four, a compound chicken, a egg roll, a total count of 4495. And it's just me playing on the phone. They're thinking they're right. I don't know Chinese food, but maybe I did, you know, so it's like that, those are things that I used to do just to mess with them. And then they say, well, you got a gift, man. You should be doing that on, on stage. You should be somewhere doing that, you know. Yeah. And so I put together like this little uh, reel of me doing voices and stuff. And, man, I, I emailed Ricky Smiley at that time. It was MySpace. I hit him on MySpace and he hit me back. He loved it, man. And, th and that's when I knew that I could I could command with my voice, you know, wow. but I didn't have any faces to the characters that I was creating. So, but that was the start. That was the start. That, ah, this story, it, man, I hope somebody is paying attention. The power of your voice, your voice, not anyone else's, your voice. This, this is phenomenal. This is phenomenal. Okay. Can you tell us the story of when and how you discovered you had a responsibility to share that gift that you have within you with the world? Wow, that's a, that's a really, really good question. That's what, that's what I, you know, um, it started with, uh, you know, me, uh, well, go back to Walmart. And I was working in there and I was, and I still had this talent. I was doing these open mics and stuff at uh, at the Addison Improv and Arlington Improv. And I would go up there and I would do my thing. And I would still want to do these characters. And so I ended up uh, meeting uh, my wife. This is kind of to make a short story out of this, but uh, we started putting together uh, like little skits and stuff of me doing these characters. Um, the Dale Stevens character that's in Jericho. Yeah. Uh, created him on the fly uh, for Ricky Smiley. And there was, and how you say sharing it with the world, I didn't have a face to that voice. And I knew that if I could get him out there, you know, people would, would listen, would, would listen yeah. to him and he, and he could be big, you know? Yeah. And so my, you know, 
we started playing with makeup and stuff because I said, man, you got to get this out to people. You got to, you know, you can't be hidden on the, on the radio waves anymore. You got to get out and put your face out here. And so uh, who is this character? And so, you know, I thought that uh, one way was to, you know, we, we painted them up and we did them in whiteface and it was the most hilarious thing we'd ever done. And then we started to write a short story around Dale Stevens and it was all comical. But right. then we started thinking, how could we reach the world with this story? How could we, how could we get that out to the world? Yeah. What, why would somebody go into whiteface if not but to save his life or someone else's life? Why would he do something so crazy? And that's where Jericho was born. Wow. That's how the story of Jericho came about. It was these guys who ran into this place, you know, from a lynch mob to save their own lives and out comes Dale Stevens. And I thought that it was an important story to tie the civil rights movement into that. And yeah. so that I could get that and project that out to get a story out that, that no one's ever heard before or seen before, but it was a, a message, a timely message that, you know, and it's something that's still going on today, even though you've never seen the story, it, it's, it's, it's one that's relatable from now to infinity, you know? And so that's when I was working at Walmart, it was stocking those shelves and every, every, every Friday, um, or, or every, actually we would get the shipments in, but every Tuesday, every at midnight. So like every Monday, one and Tuesday, we would stock all the new release DVDs on the shelf. I would have to stock those DVDs, all the new releases. They come out at midnight, people come and buy them. And I had one that I would share, uh, that I had playing on the DVDs, you know, when they used to have little portable DVDs in the glass case, playing the movies and stuff. Well, I had my DVD. There. And I was playing yeah. what me and my wife had created. And then these customers came in asking, man, what's that one? Where can I buy that one? <laughs> you, know, well, you know, it's not for sale, you know, but 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 thank you. You know, it's, it's but this is something me and my wife created. We said, what's the funny one of the funniest things I've ever seen? You wow. know? And so when you take that full circle, um that was in 2011 when I was working at Walmart. Okay. Um, and, you know, you say nothing happens overnight, you know. Right. Uh, you never give up on a dream. Right. 2018, uh, I go in at midnight in Walmart to stock Jericho on the shelf. Wow. They let me go in there and put the first copies on the shelf, right? And I've been doing this as an employee. Making, oh. Making $8 an hour, and I get to go put my own DVD on the shelf. And Dale Stevens is on this. Come on. You know, right? Dale Stevens is like, one of the face of the movie, you know, and I get to put that on the shelf. And, you know, I only wish that, that customer was there. Like, now I got something to sell you. I couldn't sell it to you before, but now I got something to sell. Come on. And so yeah, God puts us in these in these positions to, to do things. And, you know, you never know. You know, it's like from from sleeping in my car, from everything being in my in the backseat of my car to it getting repossessed, you know, because when I left Albany, Georgia, when I left, I just knew I was about to shock the world. Right. But right. Then God humbled me and he told me, well, first, I got to shock you. Come on. And there it is, man. You know, there it is. Wow. So the power, because th this is this is the this is really the next question that I have for you. How did you make belief reality? Wow. You know what? I was I was too stupid to know that I couldn't make a movie. Right. To know that, it, that that this was impossible to make a movie like who who just makes a movie. Right. Working a nine to five job. Who, you know, who makes a three, four hundred thousand dollar movie? 
Wow. You know, we didn't know any better. You know, we we took we we got uh, some investors behind us, and let me I'll go back even further than that. We shot Jericho. The first one was a ten-minute uh, short teaser. Uh, we hired a cinematographer because we were shooting stuff on handy cams. We were shooting stuff on cell phones, yeah. and you know, it just didn't have the quality. But we right. knew we had great content. It was like if we could make this, you know, if we could make this look halfway decent, you know, maybe somebody give us a shot. So wow. we spent about five grand of our own money, and we shot a short of what Jericho could be. Right, that's when Dale Stevens, we put Dale Stevens in it. Uh, and we had just some local actors, but they were really good. And it was a really solid, solid project. And we got it into a film festival and we won the film festival with it. Come on. So I took that and packaged it in a nice email. And I sent out about, oh, maybe I would say at least a thousand emails to different actors and agents that I was, the agents of actors that I was interested in. Right. Um, and most people I never heard from. I never heard back from, I would say, nine, you know, I would say 995. I never heard back from them. You just need that one yes. The five I heard from were in the movie. Come on now. <laughs> right? George Wallace, Joe Marie Payton from Family Matters, Earl wow. P. Hall, right? Soul Food, Greg Daniel, True Blood, now Insecure, and so many other things, you know. Those are people who said yes. They came along journey with me, and now to this day, we're all good friends. I can call them, text them, and they're all, "Hey, you know what's going on? You know, I'm, you know, the woman who 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 just Steve Irwin got on her nerves. This is this woman's in my movie, you right. know, and you know George Wallace, right? Jerry Seinfeld's best friend is in my movie, right? He texts me. He's texting me like once a week with something. Hey, I'm gonna be on Civil Share. I'm gonna be on this. I'm gonna be on this. And hey, how you doing? You know, and we trading jokes back and forth, George and I. You know, he's like, well, I'm going to try this one. What do you think about this one? I said, well, yeah, that's, that's all right. What about, you, about this one? Who would have ever thought, right? And so that's how it came to be. We ended up, once we got those people, people gave us money. Wow. People ended up giving us money. I said, oh, you, you, you know, I, we believe in you, you know? And then Jericho was born, you know? I'm going to just share this with you. Um, I remember attending the Capital City Black Film Festival. And we were sitting, me and my wife were sitting next to this power couple. I didn't even know who they were. And you said to me, you said, do you have anything in this film festival this year? And I said, no, but I'm learning. I said, what about you? You said, not this year, but I have a project coming next year, but I can't talk about it. And I was like, okay. Okay, and that that next year, brother, you came with it. Who does that? Who who is the indie first time filmmaker with these A list people who just come with it to support you your dream? Up. I remember you standing up after the, in the in the Q and A after the movie was over. I remember that, you know, because I we brought Joe Marie and everybody, they came there, you know, uh, to support the film. And uh, it, it's still, it's unbelievable who working a full, I took a two week vacation and shot Jericho. I took a two week vacation from my job to shoot that movie. And Are y'all listening? Are y'all listening to this? I still don't, I still don't know how I did it. Uh, you know, my wife took a two week vacation uh, from her job 
And uh, to tell you the truth, we're about to do the same thing for our next film, but this one is probably going to be it for me because I think that this this one is going to really hit the mark and really be Jericho hit the mark. But this one is going to uh, really, really elevate us because of the subject matter of what this project's about. But back to what we were saying, I took a two week vacation. I had uh, I exhausted all of my leave to do this movie. Uh, there were days we got rained out. There were days where we had to pay people to come back and do things over again. Uh, it, it cost us. There were days that we didn't know how we we're going to make payroll. Mm. Our checks bounced. Paying people, and we know how we we're going to make payroll. And we had to call people. We had to call family. We had to do that to make this make this movie possible, to make it happen. Um, and I'm so grateful for them. Uh, you know, my mom gave me uh, some of her retirement money and everything to make Jericho happen. There was a lot of hands in that that saw it through. And so... Uh, just so, just so happy to see that you know when you stay the course, things work out in your favor. You can't give mm -hmm. up, you know. And it's, sometimes you don't, if you don't see a path, just because you don't see a path doesn't mean that there's something special on the other side of it, you know. I hope y'all are listening to this. Like I said, there's somebody out there right now. Look, it, it, it's me. I'll tell you right now. I'm like, <sighs> you took a leave from a job for a dream that's power that's power okay so i i know you're busy brother i got one more question for you um because i could stay here for for i could just stay here and take notes but what would you like to share with the listeners about what's on your horizon that you can share and how to find you online how to how to keep up with you. Okay. All right. Well, this is a doozy right here. I don't know if I've told you this story about what's leading up to our next project. So Jericho was shot in 2015. And at the ending stages of shooting Jericho, I began to get sick. Mm -hmm. um, and I felt, uh, you know, dizzy at times and I you know I really don't know how I got through that movie especially when we were at the paper mill scene outdoor 100 degree heat uh, filming in tight spaces with no AC um so to rewind that a little further back before I jump back to where I was I hadn't seen my doctor in two years since he told me I was pre-diabetic I walked out and I just I you know Hey, diabetes, you know, I, I just, just, I ignored it. Like a lot of people do, we're finding out. Right. So uh, once I completed Jericho, I had all these symptoms, urination and just dry, just unquenchable thirst. And I went and saw my doctor and he said, man, you got diabetes, man. A1C is out of control. You got type two diabetes and mm -hmm. here's a list of these medications that I'm about to put you on. Um, and, uh, for the rest of your life, that's it, you know? And then we started saying, okay, and the reason I'm giving you these medications is because I got to protect your heart. I got to protect your kidneys. Right. Um, then it started to hit me. It started to hit home then. Um, but the first thing I did when I left his office was I went to my favorite fast food joint. I got my favorite, my, my sweet tea. Mm. Because it only hurts for a minute. You know, and diabetes is one of these conditions where it slowly kills you, slowly eats Silent. You. Yeah. I, I didn't feel the effects until I started to have problems with my vision uh, and other 
uh, ailments that began numbness and things like that. So it got me into uh, said, what can I do about this? Uh, I said, I'm not disciplined enough to, you know, become some athlete or, you know, start working out all of a sudden. It's just not in me anymore. Right. So my doctor, uh, when I went to him, he threatened to put me on insulin. And I did not want to stick myself because my A1C was out of control. So you're at a 12 right now. You could be in a coma. Yeah. And uh, he said, uh, I'm going to put you on insulin. If You know, uh, right now I said, no, give me another chance. Please don't do this to me. Give me another right. chance. And he did. And I got it down to a seven. Okay. Um and all the time I was doing that, I, I made a change, a subtle change to stop drinking the sweet tea and stuff as much as much. I didn't stop completely. In um, Texas, you stopped drinking sweet tea? I know, I know right? Come on. <laughs> and so I began writing. I began writing. I said, what, how could I make a change in my life? So I wrote my salvation into my next script entitled Impossible. It Come was on. 100 because... The goal was to lose 100 pounds by the end of the film, which is still the goal. But the film is now titled Impossible because the journey to make this film is impossible. And what we set out to do from the beginning, middle to the end of this film is impossible. Because I'm going to start out this film as a 330-pound man. Right. And at the end of it, I'm going to walk out a slim and trim 200-pound police officer. If anybody can do it, it's you. Like I told y'all before, there is nothing this brother cannot do. I'm trying to tell y'all, this is spectacular. And it's not a documentary. It's not a documentary. This is a feature-length film. Uh, I got NFL legend Donald Driver, who signed on as our executive producer. And he's Come on. not only going to take a cameo in the film uh, as my trainer, he's also going to be my real personal trainer behind the scenes. And there will be a separate documentary following me as I lose weight behind the scenes just in time to shoot the final reveal, the, the final reveal scene of the film. Wow. Uh, 10 months later. So, wow. um, and this and perfect, you know, perfectly entitled impossible for that reason, because we're going to do the impossible. That's right. And so uh, the goal with the film is to help inspire people living with type two diabetes, heart disease, and any other of those ailments, those causative factors, you know, that, that lead to other things. And so this, this is for you. This see, this is this is what I'm talking about. It's 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 people like you who we need to shine the light on who are saying, you know what? This generational curse is stopping with me. I am not going to fast forward because I'm not going to be I'm going to change the narrative of this scenario that plagues often our community so much. You're saying no. It, it does. It's not a death sentence. This is not. No, this is a challenge. And I will make belief reality. Y'all don't believe me what they say. Don't believe me. Just watch. Yeah, watch and right. we are going to be watching and praying and and just being encouraged and not only just being encouraged, we're going to follow suit. And that is the whole purpose of 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 the amp hour edition is having people who are out there doing it not just talking but living it and brother i thank you i thank awesome. you awesome for, you can, oh, oh go ahead go ahead what was it? 
No, I was just saying, I, I'm th I thank you for, for coming on and sharing your story. Where can uh, the followers, where can they find you at? Like what, what social media, what, what is it that they, so that we can follow this journey? How can we find you? Okay, well, you can find me on Facebook, Brandon Snack Bar Lewis, um, and you can find me on Instagram. Uh, we actually, actually have a page, Impossible uh, the Movie, and that's on, on Instagram. We also have uh, my own personal uh, page that's uh, Brandon Snack Bar Lewis. Um, and then, uh, yeah, that's how you find me on Facebook it is at Impossible Film. Uh, that is where you can find us on Facebook. And of course, we have our production company on Facebook, Lewis Taylor Productions, or that Lewis Taylor Productions. And uh, you can keep up with all of our projects there. Um, you can see uh, us behind the scenes. We're actually going scouting uh, in New Mexico this Saturday. Wow. So we'll be there hitting the road and uh, getting up there with our cinematographer so we can act and taking my drone up there so we can actually recapture some of these scenes so we can get ready for when we go into production. We're going to already have this rehearsed. We're going to know every location, every ditch, that every mountaintop that I need to climb. You wait, wait till you see what we have in store for you. Uh, brother, I cannot wait. I'm excited. I'm excited for you. Look, I'm inspired. Everybody who see the changing lives, changing the narrative, that's what this is all about. Thank you for amping us up with the power of your story. Thank you for your time. God bless you and take care, brother. You just, just Godspeed on your journey. I appreciate it. And if you have me, once we announce the cast and everything that's going on with the movie, I, I love to come back on and, and, and give you the first crack at that, you know, because I think we got something I think you're going you're gonna to really enjoy. You ain't said nothing but a word. Everybody, uh, this is again Brandon Lewis. Watch him. Do not sleep on this, brother. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. All right, everybody. Thank you. And tune back in. We are going to continue to amp you up with real life stories of people who are out there changing the world. One life, one decision, one dream at a time. Make believe reality. Stay connected. All right. Take Bless care. You, oh, and I'll say one thing. You, you can catch uh, Jericho. It's, it's streaming now on Amazon Prime and it's on Tubi, uh, Tubi TV. So if, if you, uh, it's on Zumo, it's also uh, on IMBD, uh, IMDB TV. It's uh, almost on every streaming device so uh, or outlet. So enjoy it. Have a good time. It's free on most, on most of these sites. To change the narrative in your life, take the next step. Invest in yourself and book a life strategy coaching session with me at www.beliefinteriordesign.com. Let's start the journey of making belief reality.